Good morning, and welcome in to The Blitz, live here on Fan Run Radio, live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. I'm Charlie Collier, across from me, Sam Beard, and we're here with you for the next couple of hours as we get you to your lunch break on this Wednesday, first day of March. Let's go, baby. We we're here. have made it. Big time. Big time. You we can feel, it. feel something different in the air this morning, Charlie. You just feel tingly when you wake up. You mm-hmm. know, you can feel it in your toes and your shins and your kneecaps and your your quads. I woke up extra early this morning. Yeah. Wake up. It's March. Let's I go. I woke up, strangely enough, you know, I, I didn't even think about it until right now. I woke up at 7.30, no alarm, just... Same, same. Like 7.30, I just, and I was full of energy, too. I was wide awake. And I didn't expect to be. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a good morning. Popped up, like, it's a good day. Yeah. So this is a good day. I I made my, my conference tournament bets by 8 a.m. <laughs> Come on. I mean... We're on top of it. The, we're on top of it, which, by the way, off to a nice little start. Yeah? I don't know if you've been keeping up. How'd we do yesterday? You've been keeping up? I didn't keep up yesterday. No, you just don't care about me. <laughs> you don't care about this show, about what we're trying to do here, about this 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 record we're chasing. That's blasphemy. How'd we do? Follow me over on Picket, Sam. Okay. Uh, yesterday, eight and three. Wow, let's go. We're nine and four now. We lost on Loyola, Maryland, uh, minus five and a half. They choked. Uh, Bellerman, we lost on plus 17. They lost by 19. That was tough. And Kennesaw State, we lost on minus six and a half, and they won by like four. So we weren't even that far off either. Did your best bet that you gave John hit it yesterday? Did. Yeah. Boy, nice. Yeah, John, we did this in this, this whole <laughs> song and dance last year, me and me and Mr. Reed, when I was over on Talk Sports, just you know, being a good friend, being a good man, being a company man, doing five hours of radio a day, helping him out. <laughs> And we did this whole thing. Like, we'd talk about it. We'd have the games on the TV behind us. And, like, we'd talk about the fact that I was betting on all these college basketball games. And he'd always act so interested. And then he'd just tell me how uninterested he was. And then he'd be like, all right, give me, like, one bet. And I'd be like, that's not how it works, John. You, I can't give you one because I can go eight and three and give you the one loser. Yep. You know, I can give you one of the three losers. Like, you have to ride with me. He'd always just get, well, I need the one you're most confident in. I'd be like, that's not how it works. That's not the kind of better I am. You got to trust the system. Got to trust it's my a system. My, play. my system works for me, but I am I, I'm not necessarily the kind of guy that picks out two or three games and like those are my favorite games. Give me like two units on that, three units on that. Every once in a while, I do play like two, three units, five unit plays, but like I'm more of a. Here are 25 games <laughs> that I'm betting a unit on each, and I feel confident if I bet 25 times, I can win. 16 and lose nine yeah Make you're money. on a good track right now but um uh, today is gonna be a hard day today is a tough tough day uh, I, I remember early early last year he was already doubting me he was really getting on to me because these first couple of days are the worst conferences worst teams there's just no way to like feel great about betting on the worst conferences worst teams you don't feel yeah. bad about it either i mean again you know off to a, a nice little nine and four start altogether, but feels a little forced 
I mean, it is forced. That's why <laughs> I, I'm only betting a half a unit on all the, the Northeastern Conference games today because that's the worst conference in college basketball. And every team in those standings is somehow separated by, like, two games. <laughs> like, I looked at, at, at all four games today. I'm pretty sure that in all four games – the opponents split their regular season series. Wow. With like wildly different scores. That's impressive, actually. So we got four Northeastern Conference games kicking off today. We got two Big South play in games and two OVC play in games. Which okay. The OVC has now become probably the second, not probably, just yeah, the second worst conference. That's a shame. Yeah, Belmont and Murray Belmont State left. dipped. And, and Where's Murray State? Murray State dipped, too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they went to um, also to the, to the Missouri to the, Valley. Okay, yeah. They went with Belmont. Interesting. Well, yeah, that knocks out the, the OVC championship game every single year. Yeah. It's always Belmont and Murray State. Except that one time it was Kenneth Fareed versus Kevin Murphy. Kenneth Fareed of Moorhead State. Kevin Murphy of Tennessee Tech. I remember that, actually. It was yeah. thrilling. Mm-hmm. Thrilling. But, yeah, Murray State finished 11-9 and in the Missouri Valley this year. The OVC is brutal. It's kind of a shame. I always liked the OVC tournament. Yeah, I mean, it used to always be in Nashville. I used to go. Me and my mm-hmm. dad used to go. Municipal Auditorium. But this year, Moorhead State won the OVC regular season. They weren't bad, even though they did just lose Janai Broom. Uh... But the rest of the, the the OVC was Tennessee Tech, who finished under 500, but also second in the conference. Uh, and then a couple of new schools, like you had Lindenwood make their Division One debut this year, and like the University of Southern Indiana fighting Eagles. Because, you know, we didn't need just one Division One team in Evansville. We needed two. I've always Obviously, been saying that. Evansville, it's a hotbed. Evansville was too big for just the Purple Aces. We also needed some Screaming Eagles. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have crosstown rivalries now? I want like they're a not even in the same conference. Like, I want a battle for for the city of Evansville. I don't even think they played. Let's see if they did play. I hope they played. You remember when Evansville beat number one Kentucky? Yeah. And then proceeded to lose just about every other game, and their coach got fired for sexual misconduct. I don't remember that part. Yeah, that happened That's almost good. immediately after. That's not good. They uh, they did not play. Did not play Evansville. Sounds like the Purple Aces are scared. It, it sure seems like it, right? They're just, they don't know what to do. They got another college in their town, and they're like, oh, sounds like, stay away from Sounds like guys. they're very scared. But uh, March is here, man. It just feels good. Just feels feels different mm-hmm. before we uh before we get into today's show though just want to hit on a sadder bit of news before mm-hmm. we get into the the happiness that is march some of you may know long time knoxville radio caller uh knoxville radio legend roger davis um has tragically passed away and um made the descent you know up to heaven so just wanted to take a moment and, and send our condolences out to his family, to everyone that got a chance to know him, got a chance to love him. Um, it's not going to be the same when you, when you just don't hear hear Roger calling in to – I mean, he called in everywhere. You know, the sports animal, Basilio, here, 
everyone knew him and, and everyone that knew him loved him. Um, man, man are going to miss Roger, but there's a GoFundMe. It's already reached its goal, but you can. there's always more to give. Proud that, of how quickly it reached its goal, by the way. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love this community. I love this East Tennessee community, this Knox radio community, Tennessee sports community. Um, but he's GoFundMe. It's up over on uh, – I know Houston Crest has posted it. Uh, Russell Smith has retweeted it. Uh, the station account has retweeted it. If you want to, you know, if you feel like going to make a contribution, I'm sure that would be appreciated. But just wanted to just send again our condolences out, prayers out to to the family of Roger Davis, and hope you're listening up there to all the radio shows and all the Tennessee <laughs> sports talk that you could ever want. Hope that you're you're going to get to watch the Vols make a nice march run from you up in heaven. So beautiful. Um, rest in peace, Roger. It is March, though. It is. Glad to have it be March. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, last night was a lot of fun. Yeah. In some ways. Some ways. In some ways. Um, I was up in Kingsport last night. Mm-hmm. Morristown West taking on Dobbins Bennett, the defending state champions. Put it in perspective a little bit, Morristown West was like five and – or six and twenty six last year, so you know they won like fourteen, fifteen games this year, made it all the way to the region semifinals. Like that was a pretty great year for them. But they were playing the defending state champs, Dobbins Bennett. If there would have been a spread on that game, like if Vegas would have set a spread, it probably would have been like twenty four and a half. Really? Like twenty four and a half? Yeah. Not so fast, my friend. No, Morristown West was winning that game for like <laughs> most of the way. <laughs> I was, I was just. I mean, I was loving it, but I was I was shocked. I was just, uh, it was it was incredible. It was a blast to watch, and like I've kind of gotten into the high school sports scene in East Tennessee now, just through the last three years of broadcasting. Right. And I've always heard those refs up there in Dobbins Bennett. Like I've always heard that the Dobbins Bennett has them in their pocket, and you know I just figured that it was just talk and like people that like to complain about Dobbins Bennett. I saw it firsthand. It was bad, dude. Really, <laughs> it was so bad. Was it worse than the refs in the in the Arkansas Tennessee game? <laughs> Dude, I was. I mean, I've never seen officials make it so obvious that they're just intentionally <laughs> calling a game one way. That's 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 crazy. Like they didn't even try to hide it, and I guess it makes sense. A high school that closed down near them, <laughs> and have just turned it into like the tribe athletic complex, and they just. Like use that as their gym. An entire high school is just now. They there. just. I don't know, like what the rest of the high schools used for. Maybe they use other parts of the old high school for other things. But I know that the old high school gym is now the Tribe Athletic Complex, and it's just this really nice basketball gym that they play in off campus. But it was, uh, it was brutal. I mean, Desmond Oliver's son played for him. He was good. Yeah, he was good. They had some good players on that team, but. uh yeah, like like Morristown West was winning most of the second half, and then all of a sudden, you look up in the fourth quarter, and it was like eleven fouls to two. That's not good at all. <laughs> I mean, it was like a kid just got like shoved to the ground and fell out of bounds with the basketball, and they're like, "Oh yeah, out of bounds, other way." Really? It was like a good like solid two hand shove. Like both of his feet left the ground. Playing rugby now with basketball. 
They were up by like five with a little under two minutes to play, and then there's just a foul-induced 6-0 run in like a 25-second stretch. That I would be so mad if I was if I was on Morristown. Everyone was just like, I mean, the people that I talked to, like I talked to some beat writers and like some players' families after the game, whatever. Some some Morristown people, they're always like, we don't really know what to do. I was talking to other like the the second game after that was about to go on the air and I was talking to their broadcasters in between the two games and they're like yeah that could have told you that was going to happen like welcome to playing at Dobbins Bennett this happens every time I was talking to like the East broadcaster he's like yeah we've we get screwed every time we go to Dobbins Bennett but I was blown <laughs> away at just how glaringly obvious they made it that they were just handing that game to Dobbins Bennett but they almost took down the defending state champs so that was a pretty fun Tuesday night and then to go home and watch the Vols dismantle Arkansas made it even better. Yeah. I was two points away from hitting my plus 1,000 par- single-game parlay for the game last night. What was it? Uh, it really wasn't all that much. It was just uh, – it was – I know it was Arkansas under like 60 – Four and a half points, I think. I think it was Tennessee over 70 points, the first half under, and then the over for the whole game. And the over was like two points away from hitting. I was just screaming. I was in the stadium and I was like, they brought in the walk ons. You know, they were screaming for the walk ons for a minute and a half. I was like, shoot the ball. I just wanted to get a three from one you of those. You know, I, I will would say have this. My over. It would have been awesome. I have beef with Rick Barnes now. Yeah. We really can't play the senior walk-on a little bit earlier. Yeah, come on. Guys, it was a blowout. We were destroying them. It was a blowout. Arkansas we really... had stopped trying for six minutes before that. Like, we, we couldn't have given him a possession to get a shot up. Yeah. Like, that's that's been a big complaint, I think, sometimes about Rick Barnes. It's just, it, like, leaving his starters in too long in general. But, come on, it's... Senior night, we're throwing a walk on in there, or just let him put him in at like the minute thirty mark, or just let him shoot the final shot of the game. Yeah, like we don't have to be or so least, or respectful. Let, let him dribble it out or yeah. something. I don't know. Give him the ball. Yeah, I agree. We didn't even let him. T- that actually, I, I mean, I'm partially joking, but that actually did frustrate me a little bit. I felt bad. Like I was like, man, come on, can we not? If I'm an opposing coach and a walk on shoot like tries to shoot on a three to, on senior night to try and score and you're you're already losing the game by twenty, yeah, I'm like, you okay. Think, you think Muss is, is gonna throw a big fit? No, I dude. I don't think so. And Muscleman's a cool guy too. Like Muscleman is a down to earth under well, he gets pretty intense. <laughs> I mean, he's at least like an understanding guy. Like yeah. I, I think he's human. It, like in the sense that he would be like, yeah, that's cool, good for that guy. If we there was an Arkansas kid in the same situation, yeah. I feel like he'd want to throw him out. I think there Rick and, Barnes would be okay with that on the yeah. other end. And I want my over. I I did hit my bet that I make. Yeah. I had Tennessee uh, minus I, – I think I put it just minus four and a half first half this time around. I usually do a little bit bigger. But minus four and a half first half, Tennessee team total over 71 and a half. And Arkansas team total under 61 and a half is what I went with last night. So okay. that, that spanked. Yep, that hit. Yeah, I mean, we are close. Or I was close. I'm gonna be in. A, I'm gonna be in Vegas a week from now. I'm heating up. Yeah, you are. Are you worried? You're getting a little too hot. I feel like you don't want to be too hot going into Vegas. This is. I started to heat up about this time last year and carried it through the first two rounds. Okay. Of March Madness. So I'm hoping I can get it through the first couple of rounds too. I mean, I just have 
a daunting amount of college basketball on my plate to bet on the next two weeks because again i've committed to to gambling on every single college basketball <laughs> game that's in the conference championship week so i'm i've committed essentially if it's the same as last year to gambling on like 350 college basketball games in 14 days that sounds sounds way worse when you put it like that yeah i think my mom probably just heard that and is pretty upset with me <laughs> now that i think about it i did this last year too and i we were talking about it on the radio a lot i kept having to explain to her like don't worry i'm not putting like a hundred bucks yeah on each i'm game. not i'm not <laughs> betting like my full bets on these like, <laughs> yeah you know, throw a couple dollars on on four NEC games, go two and two, and, and cancel out. Mm-hmm. Just to have some fun. Just to, it's it's more about doing it than anything else. <laughs> Got to do it. But yeah, I'll, this time right now, I think in a week from now, I'll be, I think I'll be on a plane to Vegas. I don't really know. I'm trying to think. Time back a couple hours. Yeah, I think. I think I'll be like an hour away from Vegas. Well, it's like a 6 a.m. flight, isn't it? Yeah, slowly like descending in. Right. I don't know. I might even be like in Vegas by now a week. Nah, I don't think you'd be in Vegas. 6 a.m., like 7, 8, 9. I think you'd be in like... Yeah. I think I'd be pretty close to Vegas. Yeah, you might be like... You actually might. Yeah. I think you might be, uh, maybe you're over, I don't know. kind of seem like you're in Utah right now, you know? I guess you don't really go over Utah, yeah, probably. I, I hope maybe I'm a little not bit of Arizona. Utah right now, or else we had to divert, and that's not good. A little bit of Arizona, maybe. I don't know how those pilots are coming into Vegas. Yeah, they go over Arizona. I had some, like, really crazy woman one time start telling me, like, once you see the circles, go to squares. You know, you're close. And, like, she just kept talking about it over and over again, and it made no sense. Couldn't figure it out the whole time. And she kept telling it to me, and she kept showing me pictures of different pawn shops (laughs) in Vegas I needed to visit. It was super weird. Like, really, really weird. Mm, You should go to the uh, Pawn Stars pawn shop out there. I got better things to do. Like, watch college basketball. That's really all that Vegas is. It's just... Instead of gambling on an app, I gamble in person. And instead of watching four games at once on my couch, I watch four games at once on someone else's couch in a sports book. Yeah. It's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Vegas. But uh, good Wednesday. It's March. Glad to be here. I mean, very glad to be here. We've made it. We wait all year for this, and we've made it. Congratulations, everybody. We'll catch a break. We'll dive into not the Tennessee game on the other side, actually, because there's some breaking news out there in the sports world that we need to get to and try to see if we can kind of dissect it and decipher what's going on. So we'll get into the breaking news of this morning, big SEC slash NFL football news on the other side. As I mentioned before the break, breaking news in the NFL slash SEC realm. Potential number one pick, uh, superstar defensive lineman and former Georgia Bulldog defensive tackle Jalen Carter 
has an arrest warrant out for reckless driving and racing stemming from the January 15th crash that took the life of a teammate and a Georgia staffer. Carter will not go through on-field workouts. As of 16 minutes ago, he is still scheduled to speak at the NFL Combine at 10.30 Eastern time in three minutes. I highly doubt that he's around for that, but that is the current report. Um, The official statement, as a result of the ongoing investigation into the January 15, 2023 fatal crash that occurred in the 900 block of Barnett Shoals Road, the Athens-Clark County Police Department has secured arrest warrants for Jalen Carter for reckless driving and racing. The investigation found that Chandler LaCroix, the driver of the 2021 Ford Expedition, and Jalen Carter, the driver of a 2021 Jeep Trackhawk, were operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing shortly after leaving the downtown's Athens area about 2.30 in the morning. The evidence demonstrated that both vehicles switched between lanes, drove in the center turn lane, and drove in the opposite lanes of travel, overtook other motorists, and one drove at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt to outdistance each other. Um, evidence indicated that shortly before the crash, the expedition, driven by LaCroix, was traveling about 104 miles per hour. Eesh. The toxicology report indicated that LaCroix's blood alcohol concentration was at 0.197 at the time of the crash. Investigators determined that alcohol impairment racing, reckless driving, and speed were significant contributing factors to the crash. The case will be given to the Solicitor General's office. So, if you guys don't remember this story, right, Jalen Carter, um, his teammates, well, his teammates, unfortunately, Chandler LaCroix and and, uh, Georgia Stafford got into a tragic accident on January 15th, uh, just Hours after the the Georgia championship parade at 2.30 that morning, it was recruiting analyst uh, Chandler LaCroix that was driving, and it was Devin Wilcock, the Georgia offensive lineman, that was in the car. Uh, Both of them that were were unfortunately killed in the crash. And, you know, sad now to see that drunk driving as well as maybe some other questionable decisions were – ultimately what led to that you know avoidable death i mean just you know take the nfl prospect out of it take you know the relation to georgia out of it it's just tragic that mm-hmm. uh, i don't know it's just still tragic that like drunk driving is it has as big of a factor as it still does today like you would think as a society with all the the apps that we have and your ubers and your lifts and and how aware we all are of how big of an issue that is you'd think that like it wouldn't still be as big of an issue as it is, but I mean, another incident of drunk driving, ending lives tragically short. I mean, yeah. If you're listening to this, and just don't do it, man. Just call an Uber. But uh, racing, the charge of the crash, and uh, the charge, or the, one of the factors in the crash, Carter facing the charges of reckless driving, racing. Um, unclear if he'll face additional, additional charges. Um, was also interesting was that that means Jalen Carter was present at the crash and misled police about his his involvement. Um, 
the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's reports that Jalen Carter first told police that he was nearly a mile away uh, when that fatal crash happened. Then he said he was behind the other vehicle and could see its taillights. And then he said he was alongside the car when it crashed. So he's changed his story now. Three times, yeah. Three times. Hmm. You know, he missed, He drove away after the crash rather than staying there. And then he misled police about it. That's uh, not good. Police questioned Carter about whether he was racing the other car. Carter denied it. The unofficial story until now had been that it was a single-car accident caused by LaCroix driving too fast. Um, see what other kind of legal implications, or, you know, what other, I, I guess, what else could happen to Jalen Carter legally, um, you know, now that you know his car was also at the scene. But Carter was ticketed uh, for driving 89 miles per hour for what it's worth to in a 45-mile-an-hour zone back in September. So it's not the first time he's been caught driving a little, a lot too fast on some <laughs> roads that you probably shouldn't have. Todd McShay probably <laughs> having the best day out of everyone. Yeah. If you don't remember, Todd McShay reported that there were character issues with Jalen Carter, and immediately everyone just hopped all over Todd McShay and uh, called him all kinds of things, called him a racist, called him all, all everything else. And I think character issues is a pretty polite way to talk about Jalen Carter now. I would say so, to say the least. I mean, legal implications are one thing, but – putting lives at risk I, I mean the nfl implications are another like legally you know you, you might only be able to charge jalen carter with certain things but i think the nfl is going to look at this situation in its entirety and and draw a few conclusions of their own whether that's fair or not i think one of the conclusions they're going to draw is that hmm 2 30 in the morning after a championship parade Two cars speeding down a, a, a you know a highway. The driver that you know unfortunately crashed had a blood alcohol level of point one nine seven. Hmm. Jalen Carter. Well, he was with them. He was also making poor decisions. He was also at that championship parade. It was also at two thirty in the morning. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what activities he could have been up to. Yeah. I wonder what could have potentially encouraged him, you know, besides potentially just the fear of, you know, your NFL career being in jeopardy. I wonder what else could have encouraged him to potentially leave the crash. Wonder what else he could have been potentially up to. That's what NFL teams are going to wonder. You know, I wonder why his story changed four times. Maybe he his blood alcohol level was also a blood alcohol level that did not fall within the legal limits. Maybe that was the case. Not accusing him of that. We don't know if we I, we don't know and I don't think we will ever know if it, what are, he was or was not under the influence of. But I think NFL teams they're going to look at this situation and and they he's have, have a long week sense. at the combine. Yeah, he's going to have a long week at the combine. Long week. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, NFL teams 
put more into investigating than you know people and individuals sometimes than it feels like police forces can. Oh, 100%. like the NFL puts ex CIA agents and like private investigators and like the top of the top uh, in the world of investigation into figuring out you know as much as they can about these top prospects. I bet for you stuff that's far teams, less serious than what just happened yeah, here. Yeah, I, I bet you the NFL teams are going to have a pretty clear picture, and you know it, it feels like his draft stock right now is of the least importance in this story. It feels like he could potentially be facing more serious punishment, but. Can't imagine he's a top ten pick anymore. I don't know. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. Someone's gonna reach on him, right? I don't know if he's going in the first round. Really? You think it's a Tunsil situation? I mean, you think Tunsil fell all the way to what? Twenty one, twenty two? Yeah, late twenties. And all he did was smoke weed in a in a gas mask. Yeah. You know that didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. It just made him look kind of silly. Mm hmm. We have two people that died and a teammate that was potentially drunk racing that teammate that then drove away at the scene of the crash rather than, I don't know, maybe trying to help, maybe trying to do something else. So, yeah, I'd be worried about his character. I'd be worried about the legal implications. I'd just be worried about, can I trust this guy to be a good teammate? If if that's – if he sees a teammate and and, – you know, a life-or-death situation, and he leaves, how can I ever trust that guy on third and four to hold an edge and allow my linebacker to shoot the D-gap and make a tackle? I don't. <laughs> to me, Jalen Carter is undraftable. He's going to get drafted, I imagine, probably still in the first couple of rounds, maybe still in the first round, but to me, for a, a plethora of reasons, Jalen Carter, undraftable. What a – I mean – what a gross story. But um, we'll continue to monitor. We'll see if he actually ends up speaking to anybody at the Combine. We'll catch a break. We'll dive into Tennessee, Arkansas on the other side. I was told it was a TSA TSA clearance. I mean, that was absurd. Nate Oates is like tripling down on everything yeah, that he said. What is, does Alabama not have a PR department? Yeah, get this guy off of the microphone. Do not let him speak to the media. Will someone please tell Nate Oates to shut up? My players told me it was a, a pat-down in the TSA. I mean, t- I think they have been doing it all year. I don't care. Like, they didn't just start doing it. I think you should stop if that just happened, though. Yeah, I, I do. You like, probably should have stopped, like, after Darius Miles got arrested. Yeah. Not even after the information yeah. came out. Right. Like, I get it. It's this thing that they've been doing all year, and I think it's like, get ready to take flight, TSA check down, whatever. But once someone on your team takes a gun and shoots another person and gets arrested for it, you should probably... The pat-down move is probably probably not, probably not in. You need to pat down the players as they take the court, yeah. just optics-wise. But just also, me. 
Again, someone get a microphone out of Nate's, Nate, Nate Oates' face. He just keeps just, just stop, man. <laughs> stop. Leave it alone. Yeah, he needs a. He needs a pacifier. He'd find a way to to spin zone this though. Well, Jalen Carter was actually just driving fast to encourage them to get home quicker, so they would spend less time drunk driving. He was, know, he was picking up a teammate from the bar. Yeah, that's how that's how Nate Oates would spin it. But uh, Tennessee basketball, big win last night, massive win. We mentioned it in the opening segment, but uh, dominated Arkansas from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly what we talked about yesterday took place. Yeah, no, I, that's all I kept thinking about during the game. I was like, wow, this. You might as well just write a scouting report. We the the blitz hit this game spot on. I felt I felt I felt good watching. I was like, damn, we really mm-hmm. we nailed it yesterday. Yeah. Um last night Tennessee said, Hey, you want to force everything inside? Well, think twice. If you want to force us inside, we'll go inside, but we are going to whoop your ass. We are gonna smack you around and, and, and treat you like a child. We are going to abuse you in the paint. You are not going to want to continue to play basketball against the Tennessee Volunteers by the time this game is said and done. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, exactly what happened. Tennessee just just bullied this basketball team. Uh, I mean, looking at the box score, some hilarious stats out there. You got a guy in... Uh, Makai Mitchell, like one of their senior rim protectors, you know, he, he's not relied on heavily, but he went out there and he was just doing cardio. Mm-hmm. 11 minutes, zero rebounds, zero assists, <laughs> five fouls. That's the Tony Snell graphic. He was literally just doing cardio. Yeah. Didn't even try to take a shot. Once he got tired doing cardio, he was like, oh, I need to foul someone. I need a break. I gotta stop for thirty seconds here. Let me let me commit a shooting foul. <laughs> Last night. Not great, but but he was good. But Tennessee was great. Olivier Conwell was great. Nailed it even all the way yeah, nailed the scouting report even all the way down to yesterday saying that Olivier Conwell would have sixteen and it's the leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Man. How about that? But uh Tennessee was great, man. They got big and they went inside and, and I mean, you saw the physicality that the Tennessee can play with. Like, you see the potential that they have. And and yesterday was one of those days that, man, you really like Rick Barnes on a day like yesterday. Like, that that's one of the days where you look at Rick Barnes and you say, you know, he may be a flawed coach, and there are a lot of flawed coaches out there. I think all coaches are flawed in some way or another. But, you know, he may be a flawed coach. He may frustrate you at times, but – to see his team play with the energy and the intensity and the effort and just the love for one another that they do, the culture that he's created, the fact that this year in some people's eyes is kind of sort of just an all right year and you're still a top 15 team and a top three seed. Like these are the reasons that I love Rick Barnes so much. And are there better coaches out there? Yeah, maybe a couple, you know, there's, there's, Maybe five to ten, fifteen better coaches out there. Probably not fifteen, but maybe five to ten. But you know, I'd take Rick Barnes all day just because I take all of these things over and over again. Like there's out of all my teams that I root for, the Titans, Tennessee football, Tennessee baseball, Tennessee basketball, the Preds, the Nats, 
there's just consistently like no team that I'm more proud to be a fan of than Tennessee basketball. I thought like last night was just another one of those nights that exemplified that. Um, but obviously, wasn't all great. Wasn't all fun. Sakai Ziegler, yeah, non-contact injury. Knee buckled on him, buckled kind of to the inside too. Um, had to be, I mean, carried off the court all the way back to the locker room. Based on his reactions, based on the reactions of the team, I think we can, you know, I, I don't like to ever draw conclusions about injuries when you don't know officially what all is going on, but. I would assume it's pretty serious. Yeah. The you severity, could hear a pin drop in that place last night. The severity feels rather obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels rather obvious. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't really feel like he's going to be back. Yeah, I th- I think the only time Knoxville has collectively been more quiet was the Hendon Hooker torn ACL in the South Carolina game. Thompson Bowling was silent when he went down. It would be pretty unfair if in back-to-back seasons of sports seasons from football into basketball. The leader of and, our team yeah, the, the tears his ACL in the second to the last game of the year. Ruins their ACL in the second to last game of the year. That yeah. seems pretty unfair. I said that exact same thing in the stands. Football Why? team bounced back from it all right. Um, and give this Tennessee basketball team credit, man. They, they fought hard last night, and I, I thought they bounced back really well. You know the energy was completely sucked out of that place. the uh, The wind was out of the sails in, in the in, in Thompson Bowling, and uh, that team was able to supply their own energy. Yeah, I thought Santi played a nice game in the in the more point guard role. I did too, and and he had the assists. Like I, I don't think he really turned it over that much. Weirdly enough, I, I saw this on Twitter. I saw some people talking about it. I kind of agreed with it. Weirdly enough. Zakai going down and Tennessee playing with just that strange, positionless, interchangeable lineup. Almost worked. Like almost better. unlocked something. Yeah. I would say it did unlock something. Like I was I, I, I was saying that with my buddies. I think there's a recipe to go forward with this lineup, and it's not going to look the same, obviously. I mean, it's going to look like a team that's pounding it inside pretty consistently. I think the the shots inside are about to really into amp up a lot. But, you know, if Sakai can't play, I'm okay with this lineup. I, I really am. You know, J- J- Julian and Josiah and Tobe and Olivier and Santi. Yeah, I think you saw a lot of, you know, maybe previously kind of in this lull in February, you know, a lot of times if Tennessee didn't get a look, it, it seems like the ball's coming back to Ziegler at the top of the key with – you know, 10, 12 seconds on the shot clock, and it's just like, let Zakai try and make a play here. And, you know, maybe with him being out, you've just got to grind for buckets a little more, and this team is, like, really, really trying to, to make the good pass, make the extra pass. And, you know, you just know that it's a big part of your offense that's out, and I think that everyone did a very good job of stepping up to the plate last night in that absence. I mean, the concern, obviously, moving forward, like, you don't have that – blow by type guy you don't right. have that creator but also yeah i mean it forces people to be more aggressive like it forces people into a bigger role it forces people to create their own shot to a little to a certain extent and i think it really forced tennessee to force it inside and and i think tennessee found out that when they do that 
they can be highly efficient. You know, they they had a great points per possession number last night. They were excellent from their two point percentage perspective um, against a really great interior defense. I mean, they they did. They were forced to take it inside, and they went inside, and they scored inside consistently. I think that Tennessee found out that they can grind away at teams that way by getting guys inside, getting those tough buckets, and and fighting on the offensive glass too. Uh, Jemai Meshack, Tobey Awaka right now, when they're on the floor together, Tennessee is uh, rebounding 53.4% of their, their missed shots. That's an unbelievable number. Tobey Awaka is, is the best young rebounder in college basketball. He's and playing... he's already one of just the best pure rebounders, too. He, at one point, I just talked about Jemai and Tobey together. Tobey, by himself... Heading into like the January like fourth or sixth matchup with Mississippi State, whenever that day was, heading into that game, I haven't, I haven't looked at this super recently, but like he hadn't been playing as much at that point. So in a smaller sample size, Tennessee had been averaging or had been not averaging had been rebounding fifty seven percent of their missed shots with him on the floor. Wow. Yeah, I mean he almost had a double double in in fourteen minutes of playing time last night. I I do. And there's so much more potential there to be unlocked. Like I, I think part. that there is there's hope still with this lineup. Like I think that there's hope still with this idea of, of Tennessee basketball that you can play teams like this. The only kind of caution that I have, I I, I want to see what it looks like against Ar- against Auburn on Saturday on the road against a team with good guards, mm-hmm. but smaller guards. Too like for 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 Arkansas. Um, or for the opponent being Arkansas, like if you're going to have to run with a lineup like Tennessee did, seems like a really good matchup to do so, because you know they're uh, also kind of a more positionless team. Like they switch a lot of different things, and you know they have a lot of length. Like they have just in general, I, I think the kind of team composition that a lineup that Santi and and Josiah, Julian, Jemai, like Tobey, Olivier, whoever else you wanted to put out there. But one guard and basically forwards and bigs. Like, I think that Arkansas is a good team to run that lineup against. So we'll see how it works against Auburn. But, I mean, Julian Phillips can play the two, and he can. I, he's athletic. He's a good enough defender that he can guard smaller, quicker guys. Like, I think same could be said for Josiah, Jordan, James even. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not super worried about it from that aspect necessarily, but I, I do want to see what it looks like in a different matchup that's maybe not as suitable uh, for a lineup like that. Um, just really impressed, though, by the job this team this team did last night. Really, really impressed. And, you know, it made sense based on the matchups, based on some of the stats like we told you yesterday. It made sense that, that Tennessee was going to have a game like this. It was a great matchup, but I still just left really impressed, especially with their response from uh, the Sky Ziegler injury. Yeah, it could have been very easy to lay down from that, especially happen- it happening so early in the game, two minutes in. You know, you never really get into a flow of everything, and then that happens, and it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. So. Yeah, I just I think that shows the the culture of this team and the character that we've got from top to bottom and, you know, that's that's that was a game like you're saying. That was last night was a game that you go you come out of there feeling confident in this Rick Barnes team and that's the team that 
grinds out some NCAA tournament wins and, and can go pretty far. So, the thing it did too is. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I, or man, my, I, yeah, my bad. The thing it, I, I think. No, I, I lost my train of thought completely. I apologize. That's all my good, bad, Sam. That's all good. I, I had. It'll come back. I feel like here, had, in, probably after the hour. Yeah, I had a, a an alert pop up right on my phone, <laughs> right as I was like reading off like one of my. I, I just kind of like write half complete thoughts down on my notes sometimes just completely lost it oh it's back uh <laughs> three-point selection three-point shot ah. selection i think with this kind of lineup is is a lot better too mm-hmm. like there were some forced threes uh, you know because tennessee has made it a point of emphasis to go away from the mid-range shot a lot more and, and and become more of a rim and three team but i don't think their shot selection on three-pointers was always great and no offense to Zakai, obviously he brings a lot more than he takes away, but I think his three-point shot selection was particularly pretty bad, and some of it, again, was him getting stuck with the basketball late in shot clocks. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you're forcing it inside, and I, I think Arkansas, again, just kind of showed Tennessee a blueprint for how to make this lineup successful. But forcing it inside the way they did, I think Tennessee was able to find higher-quality looks from three. You know, I think they weren't forcing the three as much, but rather taking the three. You know, it's not like it's not like they hit a great percentage or anything, just 25% from three last night. Uh, but Santi got seven threes off, and I thought five or six of them were really good looks. Like, those yeah. are the threes that I want him taking. Olivier got a couple good looks off that I'd want him taking, uh, and, and so did Julian Phillips. But you shot 16 threes last night. You know, you look again, South Carolina shot 23. Uh, you look against Texas A&M last week, you shot 31. Kentucky the game before, 27. Alabama the game before, 23. Missouri, got a guess, 28. Wow. Take it back, even the first three games of February, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Florida. Well, against Vanderbilt, just 19. Against Auburn, you scored 46 points. You shot 21 threes. And against Florida, it was um, 25 threes. So last night, the least amount of three-point shots he'd taken, at least for the entire month of February, and significantly lower even. So I think... That's kind of an indicator. Like, they're not going to force as many threes. They're going to accept the threes that they're given. Tyreek Key, he'll be back Saturday, too. Rick Barnes said in the presser. I think that'll also be a boost just to have another guard out there that can handle the ball. But B.J. Edwards, he's also going to have to be a part of this uh, this season, the future of this season. I was kind of surprised he didn't get on the floor last night. I think, yeah, you know, part of me, especially when he started winning, I was like, damn, we really could – use BJ in there right now to just get him comfortable, get him some more reps because we're going to need him down the stretch at some point, especially with Santi, you know, having those lingering injury issues. But at the same time, I guess what you were doing was really working so well, you didn't want to switch it up. But I thought that there was a point in time where once you were coasting in the second half, BJ Edwards should have played. That's really, there's a lot of complaints people have about Rick Barnes this year. 
I don't share most of them, but the one that I do share is that he could be a little bit less of a stickler for leaving his starters in as long as he does. I, I think that there's a lot of value in some playing time he could have given some players this year that he has not. That would really just be my my biggest complaint. But last night, I think upsetting to see Zakai go down like that, but weirdly encouraging, too, to see how, how Tennessee played and how Tennessee responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more in hour two and talk about what the future looks like for Tennessee basketball. But hour one done. Hour two on deck. Stay with us on the Blitz.